Collective Snark is brought to you today by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash snark. All right, this is Collective Snark. I'm Adriel. I'm Michelle. And I'm Donna. We'll be talking about pop culture, science fiction, <laughs> fantasy, these amazing Reese's Peter Buttercup, <laughs> geek culture, writing, or any other topic that grabs our interest. And today's topic is these fantastic snacks. <laughs> no. Today's topic is Ironheart and Spider Woman's butt. We're going to be talking about comic book covers, comic book art, representation of women, that sort of thing. Uh, we are back here with our good friend Luke. Hello! And I swear to God, your handwriting, I thought that said I heart Spider Woman's butt, and I was like, sure, I'm on board. <laughs> oh, come on, it clearly says iron. I know. Iron! Heart! Plus! In, in Donna's defense, she's a vet, and so she's got the doctor's hands ready, <laughs> ready going on there. Alright, so anyway, um, most recently, there's been a lot of talk about um, the art on comic book covers and these variant covers, and I'm just going to real quick talk about this, and then we'll get into it. The most recent was the new Iron Man. I'm sorry? Did you introduce her? I did. He said hi. Man, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Yeah, it's the Reese's Pieces. We're distracting you. They were. Um, <laughs> yes. The new Iron Man, who is actually Iron Heart, and her name is Riri Williams. Williams. Uh, she is a 15-year-old girl, and J. Scott Campbell did a variant cover, right? It was a variant cover? Yes. Did a variant cover of her in a crop, crop top... Um, leggings uh, in kind of a uh, uh, hip shot pose with their arm out and people got really upset about that and they, they made the comment that this is a 15 year old girl and they ended up pulling that cover and so that's kind of what prompted us and there's some history with Minara and Cho but we'll start off we'll just start there and, and go so what do you think? Alright, um, you know uh, Milo Minara is well known for erotic art He's been drawing since 1969, um, and Marvel, I believe, <laughs> I believe back in uh, about 2014, um, they started commissioning him to do some uh, variant covers. Uh, he did one for Guardians of the Galaxy and did Gamora, and he, he did one of uh, Shannara the, the She-Devil, or sorry, Shannon the She-Devil, um, and then... Marvel relaunched uh, Spider-Woman and did away with the classic cover, um, trying to redo her look, uh, much like DC did with Batgirl, uh, and they commissioned Menard to do a variant cover for, for Spider-Woman, and he did it in her classic costume, uh, and, and did it in a pose that a lot of people say is, is impossible to do with her, essentially her ass up, uh, crouching on a, a wall. Uh, and, and people weren't happy with it. Uh, essentially, they felt like it didn't go with the new theme of the book. Uh, and so, because of that outcry, they essentially did a, pulled the cover. Uh, or, I'm not even sure that they pulled the cover. It was still a very cover that I think people could still buy, um, but uh, there was much outcry about it. I'm just going to jump in real quick and say, zoologists would refer to her pose as presenting. <laughs> so, uh, 
it was it was a little problematic. But go on, you are you are our historian here. Continue. Um, and and from that, um, Frank Show comes into the picture. He's uh, a well-known artist, um, and a lot of artists in the community sided with Minara. Um, they they felt like Marvel commissioned him to draw a cover, and this is his style. And you know, kind of said, well, this is social justice warriors coming after him. And so Frank Cho would go to conventions and, and people would commission him to do sketches. And I think he did the same exact pose with Spider-Woman with a Spider-Man head saying, wow. And he did one with Harley Quinn. And a lot of times was basically stirring the fire. Mm -hmm. uh, now these weren't commissioned by Marvel. They were just on pictures on the internet that private collectors asked him to draw. Uh, and so, uh, you know, can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Is there any reason that they were asking Cho specifically? Is it just because he was there? Um, he is well known for drawing the female form. Usually he draws pretty curvaceous women that, you know, he's he's a fantastic artist. Uh, you know, his style that he does, especially when he does covers, he does more than just traditional line work. You see a lot of cross-hatching and, I mean, beautiful covers. Um, and he has a sense of humor, so... I thought he probably defended Menorah. Oh, like, definitely, yeah. Right? And so that was probably part of what it was. Yeah, and, okay. and so people would seek him out and say, hey, I want you to draw Holly Quinn in this pose. And he would just kind of run mm -hmm. with it. Um, and, you know, uh, I think that Mary Sue and, and a lot of other comic journalists out there really disagreed with how he was reacting. I thought it was kind of childish that he was doing that, you know, that these artists should adapt to, you know, be more inclusive. You know that they shouldn't draw this one note that this type of artwork doesn't have a place in comics anymore that they felt that it was more erotica than what should be in mainstream comics that's a pretty strong statement yeah you agree with it no okay <laughs> i mean uh, granted uh, the the issue that i have is going after the artists I, i'm all for you going after marvel and saying this doesn't fit with what we feel should be the new status quo and so you're taking out on these artists that they're given reference or they say, hey, this is your style. Why don't you come do some work for us? We don't want you, obviously, to do full-on erotica, but, you know, draw a sexy lady. Because we know that we make money off of variant covers. People will seek your artwork out, and we'll sell more books. And, you know, it, it comes up with the issue. It is a variant cover. That means that chances are that you're not gonna see it just on the shelf. Like, mm -hmm. local comic book stores here would have it up on the wall. Like, it's gonna be a more expensive book, so most people wouldn't even see it unless you got on the internet. Mm -hmm. And then there's the argument of, well, all these people don't like it. And the issue I had with a lot of articles about it is say, well, there's many that agree. The comic book mm -hmm. audience is so small. While movies are big, Go ahead. Did you already talk about um, Cho and Wonder Woman? Have not. Okay. I don't want to interrupt your narrative yeah. flow there. Yes. <laughs> Slow burn. Um, you know, with variant covers, it's, you know, if you sell 25 copies or 100 copies, you'll get these variant covers. But, you know, a, a top selling book sometimes only sells about 40,000. We're talking just over the United States. Mm -hmm. So you're not even going to a shop and even see it. Right. Um, but, I mean, I, I empathize with 
with the, the fans that say, hey, this, I don't like this. I don't like seeing this. It, it sexualizes the character. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you kind of have to make a choice that, hey, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to support this book if you're going to do this. Right. It's a good point you make, and I, I do want to talk about Wonder Woman and, and show, but it, it is a good point you make that they are variant covers, because that is kind of the one concern I have, is this girl that's like, for the first time, venturing into a comic book shop and saying, all right, I'm going to give this a try, and pick up and look at Spider-Woman's butt and go, oh gosh, this is not for me, and, and walk away. Mm-hmm. But if it's sitting up where she's not going to be browsing it, maybe right. that's not as big a concern. Right. You know, that, and again, that's my point of view, and, and others would argue that, hey, when you're when you're promoting a comic, mm-hmm. the variant comics are part of it, and and in the internal structure of, of variant covers, you have an editor and an artist and writer on a book, but when it comes to variant covers, there's a separate editor for that, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of times it's done either in advance or just before the book comes out, and so it's just like hey, we've got a book coming out X amount of time, would you want to do a variant cover on it? And they'll get it done, and it may not even be related to the storyline in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, Marvel does a lot of anniversary, you know, they've done 75th anniversary of Captain America, and you might be buying a Spider-Man book, but Captain America's on it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's arguments there about right. whether what effect it really has. Okay. One of the first comic books I ever bought was a Preacher comic. I don't know how many people have read Preacher or seen the artwork for Preacher, but Tulip wears essentially a crop top and leggings, and I mean, I guess she, like, like Preacher is a very over-the-top, hyper-violent, hyper-sexual comic book, and so that's how Tulip is drawn in it and on the covers, right. and I didn't really think twice about it. This was, like, ten plus years ago. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, it's a very mature book too, and people yeah. know that when you're at least most people know when you're buying a Vertigo book. Yeah, this yeah. is for mature readers. That's true. That's true. And so then we're getting into well, these books essentially should be rated E for everyone or teens, whatever it may be. Um, you do have to have a little bit of knowledge of the labels, right? If yeah. you are like, like, there's the yeah. You don't want to accidentally pick up Hellblazer for your elementary <laughs> schooler. And then tell us what happened with Cho and Wonder Woman. I will, uh, Cho got done with his Marvel exclusive contract and said, you know, I really want to draw a Wonder Woman. And so DC said, hey, why don't you come for us and draw some Wonder Woman variant covers? And he's like, awesome, you know, who am I going to be answering to? And they said, you're going to be answering to this editor. Well, he started drawing covers and almost with every single issue, there was some sort of problem. And and people can Google the, the covers and judge for themselves, but... They're not sexualized. Mm-hmm. He draws very powerful women, like they're muscled out. Yeah, they might have voluptuous and curvaceous figures, but they're strong, especially I'd Wonder, say that's Wonder Woman. Well, I was going to say there's also a bit of a like you have a little bit of a problem as an artist in that you are working from with most comic books you're working from an established character right. that looks away. Yes, and Wonder Woman looks away. Like yes. she is she is meant to be a very strong. Like she was built in this sort of like fantasy of like the Amazon woman mm-hmm. warrior type. Yeah. So. And when he started doing the covers, uh, unbeknownst to him, Greg Rucka, the writer on it, actually had approval of those covers. Most of the time, writers don't. But he had specifically gone in there, I think, to avoid a situation like with Spider-Woman and the Nara cover. He didn't want a book that he was writing that he's trying to present a vision of Wonder Woman. 
mm-hmm. um, to be affected by those variant covers. And because of all these Comic-Con covers that Cho had done, he was, in my opinion, was overly critical of, of the artwork that he was doing. I had not made that connection. Yes. Okay, go ahead. And so, um, you know, nothing was out there until about the third issue, and it comes out. Uh, he had signed, a, I think, a contract to do six issues of variant covers. And after the third one came out, he said, I'm walking away from the book. Um, I, as an artist, don't think that the writer should have any input on my covers. That's not really what I signed up for. I didn't uh-huh. know about the deal that Rucka had. And, you know, I think I'm being signaled out here. Because Rucka is a... He's a feminist, and, and I'm not paying that a negative light. He has a vision of what it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really didn't come out and defend or say he just let it be out there in the media. He wasn't going to make any quotes, stir the fire, and you know Frank Cho ended up leaving the book. He said, hey, I'm an artist. I have integrity. This is what I was hired to do. This is what I want to do. I shouldn't have to deal with the writer because essentially my work doesn't affect his work. That's so funny. I actually didn't know that about comic books. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, the cover 100, like, I totally judge comic books by the cover. Right. I pick them up because of what I see on the cover. And there have been a few times where I'm like, nothing like what was on the cover happened in here. And I get really, like, annoyed and frustrated because I'm like, I, you sold me a thing and you did not give me that thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really shocked that that's how it goes with comic books because the art is so important. Yeah. And it's, you know, it happened, I think, in the 90s that you know there was such a focus on art because if you look back in the in the classic comics like generally what was happening on the cover is what the book was about mm-hmm. um, but then it became more let, let's let's draw something that might catch someone's eye and pull it off or and it just has kind of snowballed from there that most covers don't reflect what you're getting in there there's been times where there's been characters drawn on the cover that don't ever appear in the book whatsoever which bothered me a lot. I read a lot of X-Men, and I was always like, oh, look, there's Gambit. I'm going to pick that up. And it's like, where is he in here? There's no Gambit. <laughs> or Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. I love Nightcrawler. Me too. Yeah. But, I mean, th- this is just my opinion. I mean, well, that's fine. like with the Menara cover, like, would that have, if you had seen that cover, and th- this is the first issue it was on, would that make you say, as women, you know, I'm using this as, I, as I'm a male, straight white mm-hmm. male. Would that distract you from wanting to, to purchase that book? We're going to leave that cliffhanger there for just a second and give you some announcements. And then we'll come back to the answer to Luke's question. As you may have noticed at the beginning of the show, Collective Snark is now being sponsored by Audible.com. Uh, we're really excited about this. They are a great company with... 180,000 titles to choose from of high quality audiobooks. You can listen to them on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, your MP3 player. Uh, I think audiobooks are great for like a long car drive or if you're doing uh, work around the house or work around work. Uh, at any rate, um, you can go to audibletrial.com slash snark and start a free 30-day trial with a, a free audiobook download. And like I said, there's over 180,000 titles to choose from, so no doubt you will be able to find something you really enjoy at Audible. 
trial.com slash snark. Thanks. So we actually have some writing out there, some blogs, and we wanted to plug that really quick in case you want to check us out online. Donna and Michelle write at Purple Ink Writers. Um, Michelle has a blog called Chipper Muse. Adrienne has Splatterhouse 5. She's talking about horror and all that kind of fun stuff. Donna and I talk about a mix of other things. We've got some anthologies out there also. Dark and Dangerous Things, 1, 2, and 3, science fiction and fantasy. Duped is Donna's short story anthology. Michelle has a short, short story anthology called Freaks and Other Monsters. And Adrienne has just put out her novel, Psychopomp and Circumstance. And then uh, Donna and Adrienne also have a bunch of other anthology stuff that they are into. And so you need to go check out their stuff. They're all online. And that's it. Go buy stuff. Or read. Thank you to Spinning Recava from Collective Snark for use of the track Urban Metronica, the Woo Ya Mix. Right before we went on break... Luke asked us if the Spider-Woman butt cover, the Manara variant cover for Spider-Woman, uh, would have discouraged us as women from purchasing that book. So now we will take you back to the exciting answer to that question. Let me uh, um, say first that before we started recording, we stopped and we looked at we looked at the Minara Spider-Woman cover, we looked at the Cho Wonder Woman cover, one of them. Uh, we looked at, um, what did we look at? We looked at some of Cho's. Oh, we looked at the, the, the Riri cover. Um, yeah, Cho's versions of it. We mm -hmm. looked at some of Minora's actual erotic yeah. art. Yeah. We looked at Ironheart. So, That's several things. For me, unless somebody else wants to jump in and answer this question, for me, absolutely, the, the Minara Spider-Woman cover would have turned me off that book that fast. Having said that, um, the Wonder Woman cover with her panties showing and the Iron Man cover uh, with the crop top would not have turned me off those books. So the of them all, the Minara cover was the only one I really considered to have been so far over the line that it would have made me walk away. Um, I didn't have a problem with the, with the Ironheart cover. Like, she looked sassy to me. She didn't, like, like mm -hmm. I didn't feel like she was particularly overly sexualized. Um, she looked like she was dressed like 15-year-olds would dress, and she looked strong like I would expect a superhero to look. So I didn't have a problem with the with the Ironheart Riri um, uh, cover at all. Um, the... Uh, Wonder Woman cover I also had no problems with. I appreciate artists acknowledging the fact that women wear underwear. I think that's cool. Because um, I feel like artists and a lot of times fashion designers like to ignore that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Spider Woman cover, um, and I don't want to like, like, whatever you like is your thing. I honestly didn't really like the art style. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the art style kind of would have been a, a turnoff. If I think about that pose in a different art style, um, oh, man, this is a rough question. I don't really like Spider. I don't really like a lot of the Spider franchise. <laughs> right. But my daughter loves it. And so right now, the only Spider-Man books I buy are for my daughter. And I would not buy a cover like that for my daughter. Because that's just, like, that's, mm. that's, I don't, that's not the, the images I want to put in her head yet. <laughs> She can see, like, when she's older and we can have conversations about things, that's fine, but, uh, so yeah, that's, 
it, it, it's partly the art style and it's partly who it is that I just, that's not my. What do you think, Michelle? Well, I think as a comic book reader, I probably would not let any of the art stop me from buying it if I wanted to read the story. If I was trying but, to be a fan of Spider-Man or Spider-Woman, yeah. that wouldn't, I wouldn't right. be like, whoa, yeah. forget that one, I'm done here. Like, unless Chuck Austin's name is right. on it, I'll still buy it. <laughs> but what I would say is that all of those covers, uh, to some degree or another, had um, either something unrealistic about the female form or um, exaggerated butts and yes. breasts <laughs> in a way, like even the Wonder Woman one, to me it wasn't really the underwear that stuck out so much as that her butt was kind of, like, how do you kind of... <laughs> I, 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 I'm really that sorry that we, we don't do a video cast right now. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> see me do, and entertain, yeah, entertaining it. But like, so that kind of stuff really is what draw, uh, what grabs my attention, I guess is what I'm trying to mm -hmm. say. And um, you're wondering if she has like, like how the, the, well, the spine to, doesn't bend like that. Yeah. Right, and to have your butt sticking out that much and your breath well, the, sticking the, out that the much. Well, and, and the, the tits and ass pose is the... Right, yeah. So yeah, you can see both the boobs and the ass somehow. Yeah. And she's still managing to, mm -hmm. you know, right. uh, reflect bullets. But so the question of whether it's realistic or not and the anatomical questions of whether the iron heart could be that skinny at the waist and suddenly that hippie. Um, those kinds of things make me think of the whole Barbie doll controversies that are there as well. Mm -hmm. And so I can't look at any poses like that without saying, is this sending the right image for how women really look? Um, whether it's realistic or not to have those images out in front of young girls who are going to probably see it, even the variant right. covers at some point. The real reality is, those are probably not only ending up in the hands of adults. And then the question of, do you want young men to under to be seeing that also because they're already presented with so many sexual images? Women are just sexual. That I I just say I I feel like this can be an area where we add to the solution. Mm -hmm. or add to the problem and um, whether the artist wants to be in on that I, is kind of up to them but if you're mm -hmm. getting paid for it and you've signed a contract and part of it is we have to approve this in order to pay you then it's not the same as doing artwork for yourself you have yeah. to expect that you're going to get some flack or you're going to get some complaints from the people who are making the decisions and you may not know all the details but that's just the reality you know it's what freelancers deal with. And I think that's the, the difference in these situations is um, guys like Minara and Frank Cho and J. Scott Campbell, uh, to put it in writer's terms, like they're Stephen King. Yeah. You know, Stephen King writes a book, chances are the editor's not going to edit a whole lot. They're saying, okay, the book's coming in. And in these situations too, um, it went through the editor process. It was approved. It was, these were basically presented saying these are coming out on sale. X amount of days in, and there were founds that said, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of get into the, well, if if you don't like it, does that mean that it doesn't have to be for sale? Is your opinion mm -hmm. as one part of the equation of, and it, it became kind of a men versus women, mm -hmm. you know, what type of issues is, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, because we're trying to be more inclusive, should this not exist? You know, these covers that 
Because in, in J. Scott Campbell's defense, the crop top and the leggings, that's how Riri Williams was presented. Like, he was given reference of two different covers. He wasn't given the, you know, his redraw was from interior art of the actual first issue, which he hadn't seen at that point. He said, I was giving these issues. I drew her in my style. I didn't feel like I sexualized her. Her hip was cocked. Her hand was extended because it was essentially the same cover of her in the Iron Man suit, so she had a repulsor out just like Tony Stark did. Uh-huh. And I think the big complaints from that cover were not really what he did, but they had a problem with that her skin seemed to be lighter than it was presented. So that's an issue. Um, when he actually defended it, he used the term that, that Adrian used, sassy. And he learned, he actually learned some things, and I think that's kind of the difference between Cho and Minara and, and Jay Scott. Sassy is not a term that a lot of African-American women like, mm-hmm. because well, that's how they're, they're sure. described, you're sassy. And they take offense to that. That's yeah. something they don't that. want to be described as. So when he said, a sassy pose, he said, oh, I had no idea that I that was I had no idea person. either. I've been called sassy, my kid's been called sassy, and I'm like, damn right she's sassy. Mm-hmm. You yeah, did that on purpose. <laughs> but that's a good point because, and, but that again raises the question of how sensitive you need to be to yeah. your audience. But from a black woman's perspective, I would imagine that sassy equates to you're a bitch wagging your finger. And exactly. Going, uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's a stereotype. Yes. So mm-hmm. I can't do that with my head. <laughs> She'll do the head wag thing. I so can't do that. totally be on video. <laughs> and so that's why I defend J. Scott Campbell. Uh, yeah. And, and he came back, and, and the image that uh, is out there of uh, a new drawing of Riri Williams, and her, basically what she looks like in the comic, he said, hey, I can do this. Like He's like, I'm known for, for sexy style. Mm-hmm. His men even are drawn more elongated. Like it's not just the traditional broad shoulders. Like he draws men skinny, kind of like swimmer type bodies, mm-hmm. and women are, because he's drawn enough, like Paris Hilton a lot of times. Yeah, you know, and so they're skinnier than not very curvaceous, and um, and so I I have a, a lot of defense for him, and he tried to step back from the situation and said, hey, mm-hmm. this is what I was commissioned to draw. You know, I, you know, if people don't like it, if, if Marvel and Midtown Comics doesn't want to sell this exclusive cover, that's fine. But I did what I was commissioned to do and yeah. with the reference I have. And then he said, I can draw. If, if this is what Marvel wanted, I can draw that. I'll draw whatever you tell me to draw. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was given deadlines and, and this is what I came out with. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that if... Um uh, from this point going forward, maybe it couldn't have been fixed beforehand, you know, we'll just let the past be the past, but from this point forward, um, it would be nice to see comic book publishers, movie uh, companies, all of those people mm-hmm. who are behind the decisions taking some responsibility and saying, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, and we're going to take the flag for it, rather than putting on putting it on the individual artist. Yeah, well, that's writer. the thing. Is like, if you have a 15-year-old superhero, why would you go to somebody who's known for a pinup style? That's true. Right. Or if you have, like, like well, if you are hiring Menora, an, an erotica artist, to or, draw a cover, how are you, like... Or you make the mistake of, we thought this was okay and our fans are upset. We, I'm sorry, we didn't realize this mattered yeah. to you. We're going to have him redo the cover. I was going to say yeah. that about Menara, though. Absolutely. If you go to Menara, you can't really be surprised when you get a piece of erotica. 
Oh he's, he's known yeah. for erotica. Even having said, I would not be happy to buy that cover. I do at least understand that he probably thought he was giving them what they wanted. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's like you said, they're basically Stephen King. If you ask Stephen King to write you a, a horror story and you get a Stephen King horror story, you can't be surprised. Like, you can't <laughs> ask Stephen King to write you a story for your romance Book. Yeah. yeah, and then be unhappy that it's not J.K. Rowling. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, you get what you ask for, and if you ask these people to draw their stuff, they're going to draw their stuff. Now, one thing I will say about Campbell, and, and Luke kind of said what I had in mind already, which is that Campbell seemed to go, okay, I did not mean to cause offense. Here, I can do something different, where Cho and Minara both seemed to go, oh, nope, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. <laughs> with with their yeah. reaction is kind of how yeah. it looks to me. So uh, that is kind of why I'm more on Campbell's side than I am on their side. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, an argument that Frank Cho had is, he's like, look, I'm liberal. And I feel like you are going, you're, you who are saying you're liberal, you're feminist, you're going basically conservative. And you're saying that you can't draw the way that you draw. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, and then the other argument is you, you should be able to take critiques. Mm -hmm. And so is there a right and wrong here? There, there is. And it's really a, a matter of opinion. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Marvel and, and DC and whoever's publishing the comics has, mm -hmm. has to kind of say, okay, what are we trying to do here? Right. We're I trying to grow our, our, our audience. We have to make smarter choices. Mm -hmm. And But my biggest issue is, don't make the artist the fall guy. You know, Marvel or DC will pull the cover, and so they look like the hero. We listen to our audience, and they just kind of leave the artist out uh, to dry. Yeah, I see you've got a point. But I got to say, on the, on the subject of free speech and censorship, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want you to write me uh, a cozy mystery, and then I hand them orgy erotica... Uh, they're not violating my free speech when they say, no, we're not going to pay you for that. Right. Because I did not give them what they wanted. If somebody came to me and said they want me to write them a cozy mystery, I'd be like, nah, man, you're looking for somebody well, else. <laughs> yes, but the point remains, um, when somebody is hiring me to produce something, um, then I do need to give that to them within the guidelines they give me. So nobody is telling, obviously, based on the drawing Cho did of Spider-Woman, Excuse me, Minara did of Spider-Woman. Now I'm all confused on who did what. <laughs> the camel toe Spider-Woman. Um, obviously, his free speech has not been violated because he can do that. But he just can't do it on Spider-Woman cover. Right. That's my opinion, anyway. Well, and I think that... I, I think this is a really difficult subject to talk about because I do think that it is everybody's job to try to get things to be more inclusive but it is also no one person's job we can't just put it on menorah or j scott campbell or any one person to make things the way mm -hmm. that they that we wish they were they only make what they make and i feel very strongly that the like the best way to get things more inclusive is to get more people involved in the process like like you know we should have more artists of color or more female artists so that you're not just getting the one perspective. All right. And also, Chris, I, I kind of argue, well, I don't know if I should say argue because I don't know if Mary Sue knows I exist, but I have argued with Mary Sue a couple of times because they um, 
are really on kind of a vendetta against Joss Whedon. They really do not like Joss yes. Whedon. Yes. And uh, I, well, I think it was on there where they had the article about Joss Whedon likes to hit women because yeah. he always has women getting hit. I'm like, he always has women getting hit because he's letting women go fight. Like, yeah, exactly. Calm so, down. Uh, so yeah, sometimes. And speaking as somebody who who is at the very least socially liberal. Uh, I think Mary Sue kind of goes so far out in left field, I'm kind of like, what the hell are you guys even talking about? Mm -hmm. um, there's a certain point where we just need to be appreciative that somebody is even trying and maybe not bash them because their effort wasn't per for perfect, and I'm kind of getting off subject here. Um, but yeah, Mary Sue particularly has gone after Minara and Cho pretty hard. Enough that uh, I kind of have come back around to feeling a little sorry for Minara, <laughs> which I had not previously. And, and honestly, and I think we, we didn't probably talk about it enough, but there was a, a follow-up sketch to the Minara cover that was essentially the other side of the, the cover. And it was, you had full labia and, and butthole and everything, but she was still in her costume screaming out show. Uh -huh. You know, like, oh my God, show, you know, what are you doing? Um, but you know, I think he's he started drawing in sixty. You know, like he he's like a seven year old man. Yeah, he honestly doesn't give a shit. Like he's <laughs> he's an Italian artist. He doesn't work here in America, and he's going to continue to do erotic books. And you know, when they went to him for you know a kind of a quote, he was like, "I'm sorry, people don't like it, but this is how I draw." Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, when well, did, when did that cover come out? Uh, I think it was last year. It was 2015 okay. when it came out, or so, in, possibly 2014. But you know, within the, the past two mm -hmm. years. But it's still fresh in everyone's mind. So when issues come up, it follows yeah, up. Yeah. So it's not an old thing right. like from 1990. That's really what I was getting right. at. This is something that they did recently. But right. And it's uh, the question, a question of the publishers and the people who hold the money and looking at the bottom line, figuring they could get away with something, and then oops. And, yeah. So they do. They did that deliberately. They wanted him involved, and then yeah, I mean, gonna, and it's not like they they. But nobody was going to complain. So. Right, and, and and most people, there was several covers he did that okay. people didn't have issue with. It was really that this was a new direction for Spider Woman, who's always been drawn kind of like Wonder Woman. She's essentially dark hair, big boobs, big butt. You know, there's questions on. She essentially had an arrow pointing to her vagina on her costume, the way it was designed. And so they wanted to go away from that, much like the redesign of Batgirl that mm -hmm. DC was doing at the same time. Okay. And, and I think, we, I mean, all in all, we, we have to listen to these voices. It's Comics has been a boys' club for, for several years. You know, mm -hmm. obviously I'm sitting at a table with women that have read comics since they were you know, younger, mm -hmm. but it didn't seem like that, especially when I was going to bring comics. Finding girls that read comics, that I just thought that didn't exist. It Your didn't card. seem like that either. There were, and I... Yeah. I remember running into issues at a few comic book stores when I was younger because they would frequently be like, well, do you know what you're buying, sweetheart? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Actually? I don't know if you noticed, but I've, I've, I've been in the store like six times this month. All right, well, we are uh, running out of time. Is there anything else? Luke, you are the expert here. Is there any other thing we, need, we needed to discuss? No, I think we covered it. And, and honestly, as the buyers out there, it's it's up for you to decide. Mm -hmm. And be vocal. You know, that's the only way comic companies are going to learn. This is what you want to see. And, and I'm of the opinion that the comic market is so small, especially for the movies, doing so well, yeah. uh, that we need to do everything we can to grow it. So if that means that 
we have to change, then we need to change because these characters should go on in written form, in art form, uh, you know, as long as we can. Excellent. I agree. I, I almost feel bad continuing to talk now, but we do need to have a happy place, so. It seems like a good time for my Doctor Strange happy place. Yeah. <laughs> that movie was really, really awesome. And it's funny because I was not particularly excited to see it. I was just like, hey, it's another MCU mm -hmm. movie, so I'm going to see it. And I ended up being really pretty excited about it. Mm -hmm. And extra bonus excitement, nobody tried to kidnap Rachel McAdams or, like, fridge her. She was just a competent doctor. Spoiler mm -hmm. alert, I guess. She was just a competent doctor through the whole thing and got to be her own person, and that was pretty exciting. Hmm. Yes, yes. My happy place is not the medical accuracy of Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but, I am not a doctor, so I did not care. But uh, I did, boy, did I really enjoy... Uh, I'm going to say my happy place is Doctor Strange's cloak. Because that cloak was so great. That cloak was fantastic. <laughs> I think that was played by uh, Aladdin's carpet from the cartoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like this work. work. <laughs> I haven't seen him in anything like that. Well, then I guess my happy place will be that uh, we're getting a new season of Sherlock next year, aren't we? Yes, we are. Some more Benedict Cumberbunch. <laughs> Benedict <laughs> Right, whatever we want to do, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I was I was a little bit sad when he ended up in London and he looked at the sign and it said like 774 Bleecker Street and not four. Like I was like, yeah. you could just put 40. That, that would have been okay. We would have been all right with Baker Street. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Does he get a happy place? Oh, yeah. Happy place. My happy place is always in Scotland. <laughs> I I made Scotch eggs this morning. They were delicious. I was, it was my first time. They turned out great. So cool. was it your first time? It was my first. I thought you'd made them before. No, I've eaten them before, but this is my first time <laughs> making them. Okay. It was my first time. I was a Scotch eggs virgin. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. I can't find the stop button.